welcome all those to all of it united methodist church here in sunny robbinsdale minnesota really the first choice for going to worship we really appreciate the fact that you're joining us many of you probably didn't get the video from last week because whenever our local television station has like a three-day vacation or three-day weekend like on easter or christmas president's day or mother's day that following our father's day that following monday our our cape series is delayed and as i viewed all of it which i normally do and the, the series that was shown was when uh, it was a father's day from a previous year and lee gross was singing and it was just it was so powerful hearing lee sing and we just thank god for his legacy and i know there's a uh, vacancy and a void in all of our hearts and especially those by way of television who really appreciated the musical talent of of Lee Gross. We all mourn his passing. At this point we're going to go to the Lord in prayer because we're preparing for Holy Communion today. As we prepare want to go to the Lord in prayer and if you would be so kind Join me in prayer as we come before the Lord in a penitent heart. Father, this Lenten season, we are called to rend our hearts and our souls and our spirits, and not our garments, says the Lord, to return to the Lord. For the Lord is gracious and the Lord is merciful. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And with what shall we come before the Lord and bow before God on high? The God... O Lord, has showed us what is good and what the Lord requires of us, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. For almighty God and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and thou dost forgive the sins of those who are penitent, you remind us during the Lenten season that we are called to create and make a, a good and new heart a new and a contrite heart, that we truly lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wickedness and our transgressions may obtain from thee, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we partake of the body and blood of Christ, we, we ask that you bless these tokens which represent and are symbolic of your body that's broken for us, your blood that is shed. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts and let them return unto the Lord and the Lord will have mercy and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for the sacrifice of God our broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart O God thou wilt not despise if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness for Almighty God the Father Son and Holy Spirit the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ maker of all things judge of all we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, by word and deed against thy divine majesty. And we do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings, and the remembrance of them is grievous unto us. Have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, for thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may ever hear hereafter and serve and please thee in newness of life to the honor and glory of thy name through jesus christ our lord 
who taught us all to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And at this time, I'd be calling on Kurt and Mike. And as you come this morning, if you're viewing by way of television this morning, our scripture lesson is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And if you're fortunate to be with us in um, proper distancing and masking, our scripture lesson is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, and it's printed in our bulletins today. Greetings, loved ones. We are loved. Let us prepare our hearts for the reading of the gospel. I pray we are open and worthy enough servants through Jesus to receive this godly attention bestowed upon each of us. I'm going to be reading from the book here, which might be different than your insert. And for those who are by way of television and radio, it might be different from yours too. We're going to start with Matthew 3, 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and Jesus was baptized, and he went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. What wonderful words. I actually get goosebumps when I read this. May God bless the reading. Praise God and Alleluia. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning, Mike. Last week we were introduced to John the Baptist. To refute people were claiming to him, he confirmed that he was not the Christ, but instead John said he was the forerunner. You know what? He was the forerunner. Not as a head baptizer, but for the Lord and Creator himself, Jesus Christ. We should always keep in mind that baptizing wasn't unheard of. It was actually kind of common in that area. However, baptism did not welcome the internal dwelling of the Holy Spirit. It was really a ritual cleaning for ceremonies and before one entered the temple. Another reason people were immersed was to welcome them into the new faith of Judaism. In light of this, John was introducing a new element and strongly emphasized the need to repent before the baptism. In last week's message, we learned we, or we heard about the axe being put to the root of the tree and thrown into the fire. But repentance is not that. True repentance means that you not only apologize to God for your behavior, but you also change your ways and never repeat the behavior again. In verse 14, we see the reluctance John shared with Jesus when he was asked to baptize him. You know, it's interesting. John actually didn't really know who Jesus was at that point. But he still said, it is more proper for you to baptize me. This is another confirmation that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. John needed baptism to repent from the 
sinless in his life and repent. But John relented to Jesus and baptized him in the Jordan River. This confirmed Old Testament prophecy regarding the Lord's visit to earth would fulfill all righteousness. John, after he baptized the Lord, now recognized who he was. He was the Lamb of God. The Spirit came down from heaven upon Jesus when he was baptized in the Jordan. Please note that in Jesus used the word us in verse 15. Us in 15. In his reply to John the Baptist from 14. It was not only proper for Jesus to fulfill all righteousness, but also for John to do that baptism and assist. With John's baptism of Jesus, both were honoring God's will. It says that Jesus needed to be baptized by John to fulfill not only prophecy, but all righteousness. Jesus was to emphasize the importance for people to move past the rigid religious religiosity of the words of the law. John didn't fully recognize who Jesus was until after he baptized him. When the Holy Spirit came down, metaphorically, as fire upon him, it was then that John realized that he had baptized the Lamb of God, and Jesus was the Savior. In verse 17, after the Lord's baptism, a voice came down from heaven to claim the sonship of the Lord. And it also said, I am pleased with what you've done. Or he was pleased with Jesus' earthly performance. Also, we should note that all three, all three elements of the Holy Trinity were there at that time. Jesus in the body, the Spirit came down as a dove, and God spoke. God himself spoke. In audible, audibly. This is one of the few times in the New Testament where all three entities are shown in one place. The other times, it shows all three were in one place, were when he spoke to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus, and also again during his, Jesus' transfiguration. One thing I want to caution you from, something we should never do, is view the Trinity as three separate people. It is not three separate people. They're all part of the same entity, Father God. The best way I have personally heard of is when you think of the Trinity, imagine a, a glass of ice. It's ice as a solid, but it is not also water, and when it evaporates, it is gas. That kind of helped me think three things are not one. Yes, they are. A glass of ice can be water, it can be liquid, and it could be a solid. That's three in one. So we should not view the Trinity as three different people, but of the same godly entity. Father and the Holy Ghost are separable within one singular essence of God the Father. The exact details of the Lord's baptism, what happened in Matthew 3, 13 through 17, actually pale in comparison to the reason it happened. The meaning of the Lord's baptism was so that the sinless, Jesus Christ, would completely and utterly identify with those who have sinned us, and the need for our restoration back to Father God. Yesterday, I replied to somebody, they asked me how I was at work, and I said, well, blessed and highly favored, even if I don't feel like it. They said, no, no, I know the one that's blessed and highly favored. I was kind of taken aback. I'm, 
You mean I'm not? She was probably of a certain religious sect that knows the blessed and holy one, blessed and highly favored one as a woman. I didn't catch it at first, but after she left, I thought to myself, oh, that's what happened. Like, what do you mean I'm not blessed and highly favored? We all are in different ways, an entity of different ways. We can't even count how many times the Lord blessed us each and every day of our lives. It'd be when we eat, it'd be when we get a phone call, it could be when we receive pay for something or of something. We should be thankful for absolutely everything in our lives. God is not biased. I'll close with this. God is not biased or discriminatory for his blessings or certainly not his love. He's got one condition, one condition. If you believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God and died for you, you are loved and blessed. Thank you. Thank you, Kirk and, and Mike. Curtis Joe for lighting the candles. Last Sunday was a little different without the Petersons here because, they, you know, there's a lot of tasks that needed to be taken care of. I think the organist has arrived, but we'll let her kind of warm up a little bit here. What we're going to do <clears throat> once we um, finish up, rather than grabbing your communion elements at the back of the church, you're going to just kind of file up the center of the aisle and then return by the side. And you can, if you want to kneel, um, you can either kneel at the altar or kneel back in your pew and partake of the body and blood of Christ. I would like to um, talk to you a little bit today about the things that are going on in the world and um, kind of tie in the, the scripture that was granted unto us today. I believe that we need to stand firm. Stand firm in these times and, and see the salvation of the Lord. Many of you that have taken up my challenge in the challenge of the Eight Ways Gateways group during the month of February and through uh, February 20th in prayer and fasting with some side effects. I've, I've lost like 15 pounds by just kind of giving up drinking milk. I'm sure the dairy industry didn't really enjoy that, and neither did I, as we kind of plan our meals and be um, greater stewards of his body that God has given to us. And it was a, a time of prayer and reflection during, during Lent and Ash Wednesday. And tonight, many of you have asked about the Zoom meeting about the United Methodist Church. And if you um, want to Zoom in on that meeting, um, let Chris know, and she'll tell you how to get involved in that Zoom meeting. Um, tonight, people around the world, and primarily individuals in the state of Minnesota. And these are, are not easy times for those of us who are United Methodists. United Methodist. While many churches are, are holding, uh, are, while not many churches are holding regular services and meetings, there are a few others because of the, the coronavirus and trying to worship by way of Zoom and by way of computer and other means in meeting remotely. What will be a, a, the long-term effects of this pandemic be on our churches? I think the honest answer is that we really do not know. And on top of this, we have great concerns for our denomination, the United Methodist Church, uh, 
a year ago, we believed that the general conference, the GC, the general conference of 2020 would pass that uh, a form of protocol plan providing for a peaceful, a peaceful separation between the conservatives and the liberals. Conservative and evangelical churches would have the opportunity to start fresh in a new Wesleyan denomination, more like our roots here at the EUB Church, Evangelical United Brethren, prior to the merger of 1968. And ministries would be granted the freedom to pursue ministries apart from needing any official sanction from any bishop or any district superintendent. And we could offer ourselves a sense of relief from the heavy taxes of apportionments. Liberal and progressive churches would purge from the discipline all references to homosexuality and celibacy and singleness and fidelity in marriage. You could um, behave basically like the world in singleness and you wouldn't necessarily have to go with any sense of fidelity in marriage, and that was the, the route that the liberals and progressives were going to do. And, the, and you could pursue the interests of the LGBTQ, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, or queer advocates, as well as other progressive causes. The virus um, forced the cancellation of this conference in, in May of 2020, and in a number of other conferences since then. It was bumped to August and then to October, and, and another is being specifically um, called for September, September of 2021, but even this is, a, is in question again because of the virus. So we wait, we wait. In the meantime, we ask if the confessing movement, which is basically the articles of Federation of the former roots of this church prior to 1968, the Evangelical United Brethren, the EUB Church. The answer is um, yes. The answer is yes. We hear the words of Moses, I believe. When Moses sought to encourage the Hebrew people as they stood before the Red Sea as the Egyptian chariots bore down on them, in the words of God, in the words of the Bible, according to Exodus 14, 13, fear not. Say them with me. Fear not. Stand firm. Firm. And see the salvation of the Lord. Now, the CM movement, the CM, short for Confessing Movement, or the former EUB Principles and Guidelines, is working with others to develop a plan for a new Methodist denomination, including a new doctrine and discipline which should be completed and have an announcement for the 1st of September in preparation for general conference. Every four years, it's held at a different location. It's, and it's Minnesota's turn, and I can't remember the last time in 40-some years or 50-some years that I've served that it's been held in the state of Minnesota. And, and while the confessing movement and other evangelical renewal groups urge the UMC Church, the United Methodist Church members and churches to be patient and, and wait to see what God will bring about as this new form of Methodism. That's been one of the prayer concerns of the Eight Ways Gateways group in, in prayer and fasting for the last 20 days. Groups, 
basic task forces, have been consulting, have been planning, have been dreaming um, for a new church fully committed to the scriptures. Going back to John Wesley that believed scripture first, tradition, reason, and experience, those four fundamentals of the faith. There should also be an updated version of the John Wesley's general rules. It's also quite certain that churches will not be pressured, for example, to use any official Sunday school materials, official evangelists, or support only official missionaries, which was true in the UMC church, which I violated many times because I could never find a, an enjoyable missionary or so-called evangelical United Methodist um, evangelist. There will not be anything like the um, present, the present trusted clause, which, um, which states that ultimately properties belong to the denomination and the headquarters, the United Methodist Church. Every church will be more largely independent like the EUB denomination. They, they will for sure be a, a new statement on baptism, and I think about baptism in our scripture today and membership more in line with Methodist and EUB practices through the years. There will be ministers that will be trained and they will be vetted, vetted by the denomination for appointment to local churches as well as more involvement by the local church. There will not be any cabinet or district superintendent appointment of ministers to those churches, but that the local congregation will interview interview and select candidates for their church. Churches don't spring into existence without a lot of planning. There will be a period after the protocol plan is approved by the general conference when annual conferences and local churches will decide whether to be a part of this new group. In the meantime, in the mainstream of things, there will be a transition team to, to guide discussions and lead the churches before some sort of organizing a church or the name of a church. All this is creating a sense of excitement in numbers of individuals and churches who await the new thing that God is, has in store for his people. These periodical Zoom meetings, monthly or quarterly meetings, if you've listened to them or read literature, it's sometimes the fake news does not give us any encouraging news of scripture or tradition or reason or experience. These statements are based on discussions about the new denomination will make all decisions for itself. There will be more of an independent force made up of an ad board decision and PPR decisions to select ministers in the direction of the local church. Which brings us to um, this whole process that's been going on more diligently these last few days. We're Ash Wednesday. From Ash Wednesday and even as we observed Ash Wednesday last Sunday. And we put the ashes on our forehead. It was a day to consider the finitude of our lives. Not many of us recall the day of our birth. But we realize that time goes more quickly by the older we get. 
Ask Wednesday as a day to consider the finitude of our lives, but also to consider how we may wish to conduct ourselves for the future. As Christendom put the mark of the ashes from the previous Palm Sunday on the forehead of the recipients and all denominations that, that observed Ash Wednesday, it's primarily about, about living in the present moment not chiefly about concern for the future or about the anxiety over death. There is a power in keeping ourselves oriented towards the present and, and something innately hopeful about having an opportunity to adjust our, our lives. Ash, Ash Wednesday is, is sometimes viewed as a, as a liturgical moment where we acknowledge that our own mortality and we remember that life is short, life is brief, that only what is done for Christ will truly last. And, and although some bear ashes, crosses on their foreheads as an outward manifestation of their commitment, their inner commitment of faith in Christ, others avoid the day as, as a somber. They avoid that day as a somber remembrance that life is short. But we all know that when we face life, we face it more victoriously when we ask ourselves the questions of what should I do with my life? Many others will mourn this day as they remember the lives of loved ones that were out too short, were cut too short, particularly as a, a global pandemic ravaged our towns and our cities. This can be a difficult day for us in our liturgical year. Perhaps you remember Ash Wednesday from, from last year, from last year, though it may be a, a fever dream of what once seemed normal. Interesting enough, on Ash Wednesday of 2020, February 26th of 2020 last year, it was the last. It was the last time many congregations were able to gather together before the evolving COVID-19 crisis forced everyone to cease in-person worship for many months in some places. And, and as one of the most intimate and embodied liturgical moments, Ash Wednesday was also the last time many people had any physical contact with other human beings. The mark of the ashes on the forehead or the back of the hand for some was the last time they would be touched by someone else. For, for many for many months. Today's um, scripture lesson brought to mind many important elements. Last Sunday we um, closed with the safety and the security of all believers in Christ. This Sunday we um, viewed the baptism of Jesus Christ. We have here the account of the Lord Jesus Christ's baptism. This was his first step when Jesus Christ entered his ministry at the age of 30 years old, when the Jewish priests took up their office, they were, they were washed in water, as Mike said, according to Exodus chapter 29, verse 4. And, and when our great high priest begins the great work he came into the world to accomplish, Jesus is publicly, publicly baptized. We witness in this scripture the honor of baptism. First, we should notice that in these verses, the honor that's placed on this sacrament of baptism. 
we Protestants only observe certain sacraments and consider a, it a sacrament if Jesus Christ himself personally was involved in that sacrament. It's an ordinance which the Lord Jesus himself took part in, not to be thought of lightly, an ordinance to which the great head of the church, Jesus Christ, submitted should always be held in honor in the eyes of professing Christians. There are many those by way of television or by way of radio that have those questions about baptism. We honor and respect those questions. There are few subjects in religion over which greater mistakes have been occurred than baptism. There are few which we require so much fencing in and, and guarding. Let us arm our minds with, our, with these two gen, general concerns and cautions. Let us beware on the first hand that we do not attach any superstitious importance to the water of baptism. We, we must not expect that water acts as a form of charm. We must not suppose that all baptized people as a matter of course, receive the grace of God at the moment in which they are baptized. To say that all who come to baptism receive the same benefit and that it does not matter a jot whether they come with faith or they come in prayer or in utter indifference. To say such things appears to contradict the very plain, plainest lessons of scripture. Jesus thought about his baptism. John expressed the importance of baptism. And Jesus even went so far to say that he had to be baptized by John rather than John being baptized by Jesus. Let us beware, on the other hand, that we do not dishonor the sacrament of baptism. It's, it's dishonored when it is basically passed over as, as a mere form or, or thrust out of sight and never publicly noticed in the congregation. A sacrament ordained by Christ himself should not be treated in this way. The admission of every new believer into the, the visible church, and sometimes people want to be invisible rather than visible, whether young or grown up, is an event which ought to excite a keen interest in Christian congregations. It is an event that ought to call forth the very fervent prayers and of praying people. And the more deeply we are convinced that baptism and grace are not inseparable, but they are tied together, the more we ought to feel bound to join in prayer for a, a blessing whenever anyone is baptized. Father, this morning as we express our concerns about baptism in the scripture, we, we should notice in these verses the particularly solemn circumstances which, which occurred at the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. Such a baptism will never happen again as long as the world stands. We are told about the presence of all three persons, which Mike so clearly shared with us, of, of the Blessed Trinity, that God the Son revealed in the body is baptized. God the Spirit descends like a dove and rests upon him, and God the Father speaks from heaven with a voice. In a word, we have the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit revealed. We may regard this as a public announcement that the work of Christ was a result of the eternal wills of all three persons of the Blessed Trinity. It was the whole Trinity which at the beginning of the creation said, let us make 
man in Genesis chapter 126. It, it was the whole Trinity, again, which at the beginning of the gospel seemed to say, let us save mankind. We are told of a voice from heaven at our Lord's baptism. Heaven was opened and words were heard in verses 16 and 17. This was a most significant miracle. We read of no voice from heaven before this, except at the giving of the Torah, the law in Sinai. Both occasions were of particular importance. It has therefore seemed good to our Father in heaven to mark both with particularly honor. And at the introduction, both of the law and the gospel, he himself spoke, God spoke of all these words. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And how striking as we bow in prayer and those by way of television and radio and YouTube and all the means of communication, how striking and how deeply instructive are the Father's words that this is my son whom I love in verse 17. He declares in these words that Jesus is a divine Savior, sealed and appointed from all eternity to carry out the work of redemption. He proclaims that he accepts him as a mediator between God and humanity. He publishes to the world that he is satisfied with Jesus as a propitiation, the substitute, the ransom payer for the lost family of Adam and the head of a redeemed people. And in Jesus he sees his holy law, great and glorious. It's Isaiah 42, 21. And through Jesus he can be just and the one who manifests those who have faith in Jesus. Romans 3, 26. Lord, in closing and preparation for communion as we um, prepare for any form of music, let us carefully ponder these words. They are full of rich food for thought. They are full of peace. They are full of joy and comfort and consolation for all who have fled for refuge to the Lord Jesus Christ and committed their souls to Jesus for salvation. Such people may rejoice in the thought that though in themselves we are sinful, yet in God's sight we are counted righteous through the body and blood of Christ, his body that's broken for us, his blood that is shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We ask, O Lord, yet in God's sight we are counted righteous. The Father regards them as members of his beloved Son. He sees in them no blemish and for his Son's sake is well pleased, verse 17. And also Ephesians chapter 1, 6. With every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer, may we repeat this prayer today as we prepare for Holy Communion. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. Saved by your grace. Come into my heart and life. Be my Savior, Lord, and Comforter. Fill me with your Holy Spirit as I take of these symbols which represent your body and blood broken for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us listen to a, a few moments of music as we kind of prepare for Holy Communion.
Would you join me in the prayer, our offertory prayer, and remain standing um, for the doxology? Let us stand as we turn to our offertory prayer and remain standing for the doxology. Righteous God, we mark these early days in the Lenten journey with reminders of your covenant with your people. In your judgment, you sent upon creation the great flood, yet you saved a faithful remnant. You followed with a covenant not to use the flood again. And as we prepare to offer our gifts to you, we're reminded that we have been spared from judgment by the one, your son, our savior, who took on our guilt and bore our judgment, made gratitude for his sacrifice, move us to offer not only money, but our whole being in Christ, we pray. Amen. And as you sing the doxology, you may move, and you may move towards the front and take any time. This is a, a hymn that we, we all know by heart. And as we sing praise to God, our doxology, you can come forward and grab a communion element and either take it after some meditation and you can either kneel or you can go back to your pew and and open the first um, cellophane it encloses the bread the unleavened bread and then the second the second lid opens for the grape juice let us start by singing the doxology As you continue to come, you may so choose to kneel or partake of the body and blood of Christ. Father, as we come, we come thanking you that you're the God of power and you're the God of wisdom. We give you our eternal thanks for the gift of your Son, who came not only to say but to teach us about your kingdom and how we might live readying ourselves for that kingdom. We arise in service. You taught with authority, and if we listen, we will live a life of generosity, mercy, and compassion. Bless what we give this day of our time, our talents, and our treasures, and help us to be faithful in the use of all our resources that we might live like those anticipating your kingdom. In Christ we pray. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, who by thy love hast made us and through thy love hast kept us and in thy love wouldst make us perfect, we humbly confess that we have not loved thee with all our hearts and soul and mind and strength and that we have not loved one another as Christ hath loved us. Thy life is within our souls, but our selfishness hath hindered thee. 
We have not lived by faith. We have resisted thy spirit. We have neglected thine inspirations. Forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are. And in thy spirit, direct what we shall be, that thou mayest come into the full glory of thy creation, in us and in all, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Take as much time as you would like, either at the altar or in your pews. Now I pray that the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ would go forth and abide with each and every one of you now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Are there any announcements that need to be made? You want to make sure and keep in mind that um, next week um, will be the, the tribulation. I think that's the um, plan, wasn't it, Nona? Tribulation. Right. Next, next week. There's something kind of cool about being together and how sometimes the food shows up. I just want to make sure that we get the receipts, the financial receipts of those subs and those food from Mike and Nona from last week. You know, you can pay only so long until it gets a little, um, little weighty. And if you want to bring some goodies, it's there will be. Suddenly I see any, any thoughts of leaving after the service immediately evaporate. So we're going to have people all over the world, people from Wisconsin that are going to come now. Well, thank you, Marie. I, I talked with Roger shortly after I heard about it, and then he, he talked with the sheriff, and he said, could I have just 10 minutes with that guy in the cell? And um, the sheriff said, no, I, I can't do that. And, but, you know, initially when that, that happens, I'm sure I, I, I've been shot a couple times in my back. And initially when you're, and that's another story, but you can, you know, maybe instantaneously you, you try to forgive and you, you, you got to mentally forgive. You may have a hard time forgetting, forgetting, you know, but forgiving, God says you forgive and then I kind of take care of the, you know, the forgetting because it can kind of evaporate. Did you have any other announcements? You know, my... My daughter Hope and Dan moved from Brooklyn Park to Big Lake, and they've had 120 call just this weekend that want to look at the house. So it's really, you know, it's a time to maybe sell your house and rentals. Any other really significant? I know our our. our We just happened to have 150 pictures that we could show. Little Elsie was kind of named after Elsie Bolquist, and Elsie means oath of God or pledge of God or vow of God, Elsie. This is kind of fun talking, isn't it? I mean, don't you learn a lot? Some people, they kind of come in right under the wire and they leave right under the wire, but it's good to, wires are good. Yeah. Any other announcements or things that we should know of? May the Lord bless you and 
and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious and merciful unto you. Amen. It's good to see Claudia back. Amen. 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 Amen.